and this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. And as we get back into the show again, we have another clue for our quiz, which nobody has snapped up yet. So get ready to give us a call. 1-800-324-843 is our number. The clues are getting easier, and you should be able to get it with this one. What do we got? There? What do you got there for us? There. All also? right, next clue. Is it who am I? It's a who am I? Yep. Somebody who sat in Pergamos mm-hmm. on a seat. And also... This, this person sat on a seat. They sat on a seat. And also, time and time again, I stopped Paul from going to Thessalonica. So that was our last clue. Now, this next clue. I asked to sift Simon as wheat, but Jesus prayed for him that his faith would not fail. Mm. Ooh. <laughs> Interesting clues we are receiving right here for this particular individual. Doesn't sound like he's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 26 and let's get into our Bible study for the day. And uh, what have you got for us there, Lawson? You already go. You already. You're already there. You're ahead of me. Yeah, I'm. I'm ready to go here. This is. You know, I love this story. I love. You know, the story of Paul and. You know, because it's it's actually a large section of the book of Acts where he's like, you know, in Jerusalem and then he's, you know, running away and he, he's going to, well, he's not running away as such, but he's being transported around and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. But this is very much as coming to a, a climax here of his mm-hmm. time in, um, you know, under the Jewish ofi- officials. This is, as we talked yesterday, Paul has now been given the opportunity to preach Christ in front of the king and the governors and the most wealthy people in the area. Um, And this is amazing. Cool, cool. All right, let's see. Uh, Why don't you read for us uh, verse 1 there? All right, so this is, again, this is Acts chapter 26 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You may speak in your defense. So Paul, gesturing with his hand, started his defense. Okay, so here's the scene. We have um, two of the greatest leaders of the region. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, political leaders. We have all of the officials. We this is this is in the middle of the official welcoming ceremony for you know a visiting head of state. Paul is brought in to because he's like the the hot topic at the time. And in mine it says Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. Mm. So here it comes. You know there's this a sermon is, this, coming here. We go. Right here. <laughs> and this is Paul's one opportunity to really really uh, connect with. Um, to really connect with, you know, some very, very powerful people and to witness for Jesus Christ. Okay, so, uh, chapter 26, verse 2. All right. Take, take it away. I am fortunate, King Agrippa, that you are the one hearing my defense today against all these accusations made to me by Jewish leaders, for I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now, please listen to me patiently. As Jewish leaders are well aware, I am given a thorough Jewish. I have. I was given a thorough Jewish training from my earliest childhood among my own people and in Jerusalem. Okay, let's stop there before we go any further. Let's think about this because what you've got here in this introduction is a statement that uh, Paul makes, where you know when he's talking to Agrippa, he talks in a different way than he, when he talks to Felix and Festus. Mm-hmm. This is Herod Agrippa. The second, he is the eighth Herodian. The Herodians have been in power since before Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. So these are guys who are well-versed yeah. in Jewish customs, in Jewish belief, in Jewish doctrines. These are guys who are well-versed in the story of Jesus. 
um, that was the Herodian dynasty, you know, with Herod, beginning with Herod the Great, who t- tried to destroy Jesus at the time of his birth. Um, then you have another Herod who speaks to Jesus during his trial. Um, there's been a number of these Herods all the way down through. And so now we come to this guy. He knows what's going on. Yeah. Unlike, you know, these Roman guys have been, you know, shipped in from wherever they were in the empire. Mm-hmm. They they rock up there in um, Caesarea and take over the, the government. They don't really understand the Jewish religion or who Paul is. Christianity, of course, at this time is still seen as Ju- Ju- Judaism. Mm-hmm. You know, when people look at Christianity and people who look at Christians, they assume that they have adopted Judaism. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's seen as a branch of the Jewish religion. Mm-hmm. And so for Festus and Felix, this is how they're looking at it, whereas for Agrippa, he's probably starting to see that there's actually a different religion starting to form right here. Yeah, for okay. sure. No. So we continue on in verse 5. The Bible says, If they would admit it, they know that I have been a member of the Pharisees, the strictest sect of our religion. Now I am on trial because of my hope in uh, sorry of my hope in the fulfillment of God's promise made to our ancestors. In fact, that is why the twelve tribes of Israel zealously worship God night and day, and they share the same hope I have. Yet, Your Majesty, they accuse me of having this hope. Why does it seem incredible to any of you that God can raise the dead? Okay. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Wow. That's a great question, right there, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what are you going to say? You know, because if you believe in the existence of God, mm-hmm. doesn't matter who that God is. If God is God, then why is it such a, 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 a an, an you know out there thing for God to be able to raise the dead? Just because you haven't seen it happen, mm. that's not a reason. If you believe in God and you believe that God is omnipotent, omni, all, potent, powerful, then why is that so difficult, man? I don't know. It's it's craziness. That's, so he asks them a question that they have to give a positive answer to. Okay, yeah. even if they are atheists, and there were a lot of atheists in this period, mm. a lot of the a lot of the people at the higher levels of society, they you know they they worship the force of nature, mm. you know, and rather than you know an actual um, personal god, and it was the more superstitious amongst them that personified the forces of nature. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them were very atheistic in their beliefs. But even if you're an atheist, and even if Festus was somebody who didn't really believe in the existence of any personal God, if he stands up at this particular point and says, oh, no, that's impossible for God, then that's just going to make him look bad amongst all of his subjects, most of whom are you know, either believers in Yahweh, of course, you mm-hmm. know, in, in the region of Judea, or believers in the Greek gods, which the Romans ruled, uh, which the Romans uh, uh, worshipped. And uh, or, or the Egyptian gods, which weren't so far away, mm. they all believe in God, and and he doesn't want to come across as being a an atheist here. So Paul has asked him a question that he can't help but say yes to. Now, now of course, wow. Herod Agrippa he professes belief in Yahweh. Mm-hmm. Yahweh is recognized by the Jewish religion as being the only God, the ruler and the creator of the entire universe. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, by for, for, for Herod Agrippa, it would be even more impossible for him to say no because he would immediately lose favor with anybody who's Jewish and believes in Yahweh and look like a fuel and be like, well, he's just a, a denier of God. Yeah, well. So Paul has asked them a really good question here. They can't, they can't turn around and say no to this. Like, yeah, <laughs> they have to say yes. They are forced to say yes to the resurrection of the dead. Mm-hmm. 
for sure. Man, this is this is just incredible. Like oh, this is this is Paul the lawyer at his best, man. but also Paul the preacher. Yeah, this, because there is an appeal here, a very strong mm. appeal. Well, this you know this is the, the one of the biggest and, and most important teachings of Christianity. You know, if there is no resurrection, there is no religion. That's right. That, that's why we exist is because we believe in the resurrection of the dead and he is bringing forth to light, you know, okay, you know what's really going on here? You know what's really going on here is we, we believe in hope. We have a hope for the future. We have, you know, the resurrection. Like, it, it's incredible. It's incredible mm-hmm. what, what the, the statement that Paul's bringing here that, yeah, like he is the lawyer. But, man, he is just spitting flames, you know. The Holy Spirit is working in his heart and he sees his opportunity and he's like, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. I'm going to try and win these people over on the love of Jesus and the hope that we have in the resurrection and, 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 and the second coming and, and a new life in God, you yeah. know, in, in eternity. It's, it's just awesome. Absolutely. Fantastic. All right. So let's uh, continue on with uh, the, um, the story as we have it here. Yeah, right. Verse 9 says, I used to believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Okay, so now well, well, let's stop here for a moment. This is, this is what, the third time I think we have, we've heard his testimony here in the book of Acts? Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, once again, he's building his credibility. He's speaking to Agrippa in a way that is very different from the way he's spoken to Festus and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, because here you've got Grip, Agrippa who professes belief in Yahweh um, as a follower, you know, is a follower of the Jewish religion, and uh, he's building his he's building his credentials as being a very very highly qualified Pharisee and a mm-hmm. very very ultra orthodox Pharisee. Yeah, and you have to once again you have to have an explanation for why somebody who was that hardcore would flip. Now, you were talking to me about you know a friend of yours who uh, recently was fairly hardcore in their religion and asking, you know, how do you get this person to actually flip? Well, we're going to come back. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so for somebody in that kind of a situation, it takes something very dramatic for them to actually flip mm-hmm. to the other side. Yeah. And this is why when Paul speaks to people who know the history of this, that know him, that know where he came from, that know who he was, he brings up this aspect of the story because this is what makes the story of the resurrection of Jesus so powerful, mm-hmm. you know, he's not trying to he's not trying to you know make himself look fancy or good or otherwise because you know at any point he could deny Christ and he would be let out of prison. He's yeah. been in prison for two years, and why would you sit around languishing in prison for two years if the resurrection was not a real thing? Yeah, incredible. You like know? it's you, you just would it you just give up and you're like yeah you know what Tertullus was down here and he was pretty. Pretty uh, wealthy lawyer, and I could pick that up pretty easily. You know, I've spent the last twenty years defending Christianity, which has honed my my uh, elocution skills, so that uh, you know you could you could be pretty confident of of giving Tertullus a run for his money as being the number one lawyer in Jerusalem, <laughs> and you could walk out of that jail and be welcomed in Jerusalem with open arms just like that. Yeah, as the guy who collapsed Christianity by denying it. Exactly, exactly, because this is the key guy. If they can flip Paul, Christianity is going to come undone because Paul Mm -hmm. is the one who has the most powerful testimony of seeing Jesus after his death. And if Paul comes along and says, "Ah, you know what, made it all up, 
then uh, that's going to be devastating for the Christian religion. Yeah. And that's what these guys want. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Paul is Paul is he, he has been he has stayed in prison there because of the resurrection, and now he is giving his reasons for it. Mm-hmm. This was not something that he took lightly. This was a dramatic change that took place in his life on the Damascus Road. Hey, here's a thought: if you had a Damascus Road experience or something similar, where there was one day that you were far from God and sensed, and then suddenly, like a bolt of lightning, or uh, as Peter Watts was in here the other day and. And, and told us about uh, the story of just this mm. massive rainbow that came across the sky. Um, who else have we had? We had Patrice, um, whose life was just completely transformed when she went to um, an evangelistic meeting. If you had a dramatic experience where you've gone one from one day being very, very far from God to the next day being very, very close to God, we would love to hear your story. Give us a call. Our number is 1-800-324-843. Um, or text us through on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine if you're feeling shy, but don't be shy. You know what the number is one eight hundred Faith FM. Give us a call right here and uh, and share your testimony. Share what Jesus did in your life. Man, it's such a powerful thing to hear the way that God has worked in in people's lives because I think you know for nearly everyone who has a relationship with Jesus, they can you know sort of wrap back like, okay, what was the key moment in my life that mm-hmm. that that changed everything and made me go from you know not believing to believing? Even people who have you know, grown up in the church. Um, even people who were devout from a very young age, most of them can remember like, oh yeah, there was, uh, I believed in God in some small capacity and then, you know, one day it just sort of flipped yep. um, and, and I, something happened. What was the key moment in your life, Lawson? Oh, well, for me, like, because I, I grew up outside of the church, like atheist and had no idea about God, no religion, no interest, no anything. And you know, it took some some different things in my life to happen, like me quitting bike racing and really struggling with depression and a few just other motorbike things. Motorbike racing, yeah, motorbike racing. Just specifying um, that, yeah, just specify. I used to I used to race motorbikes at a, a very high level. I lived in Europe for two years doing that, and I was a six time national champion here in Australia, and that was my life. You know, yeah. um, that was that was everything to me. That was that was uh, yeah, and um, but then that sort of come undone and i come back to australia and i was here for for a few months and then i started really to you know there was some really gnarly circumstances my my parents had split up and gone bankrupt and you know in a matter of months i went from living overseas being a you know top level motorbike racer to in australia broke you know families falling apart and you know that at that point yeah depression just come into my life really hard um Mm. to the point where yeah i became suicidal and um, I was self-harming and I didn't want to live anymore and, and alcohol abuse and all these other terrible things um, because I, I think the main reason being I really couldn't see my purpose anymore. Can I, I was, just ask, how old are you now? I'm 19. Okay. So this was when I was you 17. Packed, you, you packed a lot yeah, into yeah. a short space of time, Lawson. <laughs> yeah, so you this packed is, a lot in there. This is when I was uh, 17 years old and you know my family were doing the best they could um, looking out for me and, and loving me, but I, I just couldn't see that I had a purpose yeah. and it was it was just the biggest struggle and then... Um, you know, to the point where, um, yeah, I, I attempted suicide and I failed and I ended up, you know, spending some time in, in a mental hospital, which was, it's just gnarly. Um, it was just a hectic situation. And then eventually, um, I got out of hospital and the next day I moved in with my sister 
and that day some people knocked on my door and mm-hmm. asked me, these two girls come to my door and they asked me, you know, well, we just had a conversation in a chat. Um, both of them were foreign. One was from America and the other was from Finland. And uh, they were just, and we started just talking about travel because I had recently come home from overseas and they were like, hey, Lawson, you seem pretty cool. You should, you should come out to dinner with us. So I was like, <laughs> you know, how often do you get yeah, yeah. <laughs> two hot chicks land on your door and ask you out for dinner? Yeah, not very often. So I saw my so opportunity. There was, there was no way that Lawson was saying no to this. Yeah, man, God is smart, <laughs> yeah, you know, like 17 year old kid and two, two girls, two good looking girls are at his door asking him to, to go out to dinner with them. And yeah, I wasn't going to pass out that opportunity. Um, but that just started this relationship with these amazing, loving people. Um, which, you know, then I guess wet my appetite because I could see from their lives, um, they were, you know, they were Seventh-day Adventists and they had such hope and joy and, and love for me. Yeah. And I was like, man, what is, what is giving them this? And I remember the first time I ever studied the Bible um, with them. They come over to my house and we opened the Bible up and we went to Daniel chapter 2. Mm-hmm. And we went, through, we went through Daniel chapter 2 and they've explained that, yeah, God has miraculously told the future two and a half thousand years ago all the way up to this point. And I was just like... Whoa, this is crazy. And the, like the even craziest thing happened, like this is in 2016 around when Brexit happened mm-hmm. and Brexit was on TV. And I remember one of them like pointing to the TV and saying like, see this here? See like the, the European Union crumbling? This is foretold in prophecy. And they and I was just like, like mind blown. And dude, I was, I was like such a gnarly guy back then. I was just this crazy dude who was into to drinking and i just used to swear like crazy and all this stuff and but that started this like i i took that step of like man god god is legit Mm. like there is a god and he's real and he's using this situation and circumstance to reach out to me so i'm gonna try and persist in that Mm -hmm. um and see where it takes me and now you know i look two years down the track i've uh you know, gone to a small Bible college called Arise and uh, got a job working with the conference as a Bible worker. And now I get to host radio and preach and I sing up the front and play guitar at church and do all these other things that I love. And I think... That's pretty radical from radically different from sitting around and uh, drinking and yeah, being depressed. It is. And like, you know, there, I think like anyone, like you look at the story of Paul, like it doesn't, you know, that, that life change... Um, that you have with Jesus doesn't mean that everything is just easy or everything is just, you know, you never have problems again. Like the guy was in jail for two years and and beaten for his faith and, and all these different things. But it gives you it gives you that hope to continue. It gives yeah. you meaning and it gives you purpose. And, um, you know, for me as well, I'm, I, I consider myself a quite switched on per- person. And I'm like, you know, yeah, sure, I can give you hope or happiness or meaning, but like it has to be legit mm-hmm. and that's the difference between you know because there are some people who get into you know watching movies there are some people who get into different hobbies or sports to give them purpose or meaning but the difference with the bible is no like this is actually real there's actually mm-hmm. something you know it's not something we've just created to give us meaning no god has given us the bible that's full of profound and observable and amazing evidence um to give us a hope, like mm-hmm. to give us to give us hope and a plan for the future. And he's, man, like, I just love it because he's reaching out to all of us every single day. Um, and I witnessed that, you know, with my work as a Bible worker in the community, um, studying the Bible with people and, and, and running community events. I, I'm seeing like, wow, 
God is reaching out to people and now I'm being used as an instrument to do that. Um, and it's just incredible. So, like, honestly, like, you know, Christian Christianity and a, and a life with Jesus, I rate it 10 out of 10, would, would do again. And, um, yeah, and it's just, you know, the power of testimonies and the power um, of, of God changing a life, it's, it's just incredible. So if you have if you're listening to the show this morning and you have not experienced what Lawson has experienced or what I've experienced and that is a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have no idea what you're missing out on. Give your life to Jesus today, let him come in. This is Chelsea Moon.
That was Chelsea Moon with When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And what a what a, what a, an appropriate mm-hmm. song to have in connection with the testimony of Paul that he is sharing in this passage right here. Mm. And uh, yeah, just want to say, Lawson, that was an inspiring testimony that you shared. Great to have that um, on radio. Hey, um, thanks. Not something we planned, but praise God for the opportunity to uh, to be able to actually share what God has done in your yeah. life. And don't forget that if you've got something that you would like to share, we would love to hear from you and hear your story of how God has ch- changed your life. And give us a call. You know what our number is, 1-800-324-843. And, uh, and you can share with the world um, the amazing things that God has done in your behalf. All right, let's continue on with our uh, story that we have here, picking up from, where were we up to? We're up to verse 10, but I'll start reading in verse 9. Okay, yep. Okay, some so continue on. Um, Paul's speaking here. He says, I used to b- uh, believe that I ought to do everything I could to oppose the very name of Jesus the Nazarene. Indeed, I did just that. Author- uh, authorized by the leading priests... I caused many believers there to be sent to prison, and I cast my vote against them when they were condemned to death. Many times I had punished in the synagogues to get them to curse Jesus. I was so violently opposed to them that I even chased them down in foreign cities. One day I was on such a mission to Damascus, armed with the authority and commission of the leading priest, about noon, your majesty, As I was on the road, a light from heaven brighter than the sun shone down on me and my companions. We all fell, and I heard the voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is useless for you to fight against my will. Who are you, Lord? I I asked. And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Now get to your feet. For I have appeared to you to appoint you as my servant and witness. Tell people that you have seen me and tell them what I will show you in the future. And I will rescue you from both your pe- your own people and the Gentiles. Yes, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive forgiveness for their sins and be given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. Okay, this is this is a powerful testimony mm-hmm. that that Paul has just said here. Yet one again, and, and, and once again, and each time he shares his testimony, it is to a different audience and has a slightly different twist to it. Mm-hmm. Notice who it is that he is appealing to here. He's talking to King Agrippa and Festus, and both of those, <coughs> and particularly Festus, is a Gentile. Mm-hmm. Agrippa, on the other hand, he's kind of part Gentile, part Jew. Mm-hmm. Herod the Great, of course, was an Edomite who was part Jew. And so he sort of had a bit of a claim to being Jewish and definitely a profession of Jewish religion. You know, Herod the Great, he, he rebuilds the temple, which is in Jerusalem. He's trying mm-hmm. to get the favor of the Jews. He wants people to like him. Um, at the same time, he just, just does incredibly terrible, terrible things to the Jewish people. And so now you've come down to the last of this dynasty, the Herod Agrippa II. So this is the, the the very last of them. And notice here that Paul makes a couple of important points. One point is that Jesus promised him that he would deliver from his enemies, both Jews and Gentiles. Yeah. 
So he's standing in front of these guys who are holding him captive and have held him captive for the last couple of years, and he's saying, yes, God is going to deliver me from you. Wow, yeah. Okay, so this is a fairly, this is a fairly bold statement right there. Uh-huh. And the mere fact that he is still alive, after all of the plots that have been laid to take his life and to destroy him, is testimony to the fact that God is looking out for him. Yeah. And the, and, and the fact that he's been able to appeal to Rome. Mm-hmm. You know, God has provided a way so that he can do exactly what God has prophesied that he will do, and that is to go to Rome and to testify about Jesus in Rome. Mm-hmm. And so he's not making this claim lightly. He's not just sort of making things up here about what Jesus said. Uh, he's, he's, he, he is subtly pointing to the evidence. Two years down the track, I'm still here. I'm still alive. I've been delivered from the Jews, and you guys are sending me to Rome, so I've been delivered from you as well. <laughs> wow. You know, it, and of course, this was what Jesus had told him. But then he says, um, verse 17, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles under whom I now send. Why does Jesus say that he's sending him to the Gentiles? It says to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of their sins and inherit amongst and in, and in inheritance amongst those which are sanctified by the faith in Jesus Christ. You read that statement right there. Paul is repeating the words of Jesus, quoting the words of Jesus, and he is appealing to Herod and to Agrippa and saying, "This is available to you." Mm-hmm. You can both become legitimate uh, followers of Jesus Christ. You are not you are not cut off from this because of your family heritage. You are not cut off from this because you are a Gentile. You are not uh, you know sort of shut out because of your political connections. The gospel is available to you right now. You can have freedom. You can have forgiveness of sins. This is a uh, this is an appeal right here. Yeah, powerful. Okay, why don't you continue on for us in verse 19 there? Yeah, sure. And so, King Agrippa, I obeyed that vision from heaven. I preached first to those in Damascus, then in Jerusalem, and and throughout all Judea, and also to the Gentiles, that all must repent of their sins and turn to God, and prove they have changed by the good things they do. Some Jews arrested me in the temple for preaching this, and they tried to kill me. But God has protected me right up to this present time. Okay, just as God promised he yeah. would. You know, when the, the words of Jesus that he quoted, you know, delivering thee from the, delivering you, I should say, from the people and from the Gentiles. Yep. Amen. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yep, continuing on. Um, from the least to the greatest, I teach nothing except what the prophets and Moses said would happen that the Messiah would suffer and be the first to rise from the dead, and in this way announce God's light to the Jews and Gentiles alike. Mm-hmm. Okay. So how do you think this then affected um, Festus and Agrippa? Oh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm reading on and I see that it's uh, not in good ways. <laughs> <laughs> You're reading ahead. All right. So he's, he's, he's made a very plain statement right here. He has appealed to them very, very strongly. He has offered them salvation. He has offered them forgiveness. He has offered them freedom from guilt and shame. He's offered them, you know, a clean start. Yeah. Um, and Jesus is offering the same to you today. 
Mm-hmm. He's offering it to you as the listener right now. You can have this experience. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter what your background is, you can have that clean slate, that clean start, a fresh start, a new life in Jesus Christ right now. Let me encourage you to get on your knees and to give your life to Jesus Christ. And don't do what Festus is about to do. Yeah. What does Festus say? So suddenly Festus shouted, Paul, you are insane. Too much study has made you crazy. But Paul replied, I am not insane, most excellent Festus. What I am saying is the sober truth, and King Agrippa knows these things. I speak boldly, for I am sure these events are familiar to him, for they were not done in a corner. Okay, so let's stop there. Um, We'll leave it at that one for today and come back to this story and get Agrippa's response, which is a little bit different from Festus's Mm -hmm. response. But Festus, you know, he you can sort of see him, you know, he wants to make himself look big and important and all the rest. You know, he has a, a visiting dignitary, a visiting head of state who has arrived here. And so, from his perspective, it's like, yeah, I need to. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stand up and and tell him, call him out as being an idiot. <laughs> but in effect, what happens is it's Festus who looks like an idiot. And you know, really, we're all idiots when we don't give our lives to Jesus. This is Jaden Levick. Jesus, Jesus, pray.
far longer and far happier than most people in the world. And now, their secret's out. Six regions have been identified as blue zones, places where people experience holistic health, and it's doing them a lot of favors. So do yourself a favor and come along to the free Rethink Health workshops, where we will explore six core principles of health and longevity proven through the Blue Zones at the Swansea Center Sunday, October 7, October 14, and October 21st from 5 p.m. is where you'll find us. For more information, call 0402-528-869 or search for the Rethink Health event on Facebook.
Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the crashing waves, crashing waves, He will never leave you. Jesus saves, Jesus saves, He will lift you from the You're listening to Caitlin Clampett with Love That Lifted Me there on Faith FM. We have another clue for our quiz. What have you got for us there, Lawson? Again, this is a Who Am I quiz, and our next clue is Jesus said that if my kingdom were divided against itself, it couldn't stand. Ooh. Whose kingdom was that? Come on, guys. Give let's, us a let's call. Let's 1-800-324-843. This is a, uh, a rather dodgy individual right here. Okay, so what have we got for question of the day there, Lawson? So our question of the day is, what does the Bible say about masturbation? And we get all kinds of questions here. So let's turn <laughs> our Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. This is where we're going to start. And while we're turning there, I just do want to say this, and that is that you know the whole concept of biblical morality, I've said this before, I'm going to say it again, it is not arbitrary. The principle behind biblical morality is very, very simple. It is simply this, it is do no harm. Mm-hmm. End of story. God never asks us to take something out of our life unless it is something that is going to bring harm to us. Mm-hmm. Now, we may not always see or understand the harm that it's going to bring, but certainly sooner or later, we're going to find out exactly what the problem is. Okay, so let me share with you a passage here um, in answer to this question in Matthew chapter um, 5. This is not directly talking about masturbation, but uh, there are other passages that do. It says this, Jesus says, I say to you, or verse 27, uh, Matthew 5, 27, You have heard that it was said in the old times, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. And so here Jesus raises the issue of lust. Mm -hmm. He then goes on to talk about if your eye sins, cut it out. And where does lust start? It starts with our eyes. It's then significant what he goes on to talk about because he says, if your hand sins, cut it off and throw it from you. Now, Jesus is not talking about self-mutilation here. He's talking about the importance of cutting sin out of our life. Mm. And if sin is something that is dragging us down, then we should cut it out of our life. Now, when it comes to the subject of masturbation, yeah, there's an allusion to it here. You know, your eye, your hand, so forth, cut them off, get, get rid of them if this is something that is causing you a problem and causing you to sin. 
as we read when we talked about last before, last leads to other actions. It's one of those, mm-hmm. you know, this is where the Bible says, thou shalt not covet. And covetousness is one of those sins that we often don't think badly about. It's because of what it leads to. You know, when Eve first sinned in the Garden of Eden, her first sin was to covet the fruit. She wanted it. Yeah. It was, it was uh, an, an illicit desire. Um, of course, when it comes to the subject of masturbation, lust... Coveting is something that is um, you know linked with masturbation right there, fantasizing. The greatest, you know, the largest sexual organ that you have in your body is your brain. Mm-hmm. And this is where um, you know uh, it's it's where it all starts. Job made this statement over here, um, and it was it's a really good statement. He said uh, he said this, and you know we need to be careful reading these because sometimes people get the problem and they say like, oh wow, if I if I see a beautiful woman, I've sinned. No, you haven't sinned if you've seen a beautiful woman. It's when you start to, um, and I'm talking to men here, it's when you start to mentally undress that woman that it becomes a problem. Mm. He says, I made a covenant with my eyes. Why should I then look at a maid or a young girl? Mm. Um, you know, it's like don't be a pervert. We don't need to be perverts. Yeah, true. Um, this is this is not something that's appropriate. If you go over to the book of uh, Ezekiel, because of course this is something, you know, the the two verses that we've just read um, are addressed towards men. Here's one that is addressed towards women and specifically deals with this subject. And down in uh, let me see, verse. 17, it says, You have taken your fair jewels of my gold and my silver, which I gave you, and made yourself images of men and committed whoredom or prostitution with them. So, you know, you can don't have to have too much of an imagination to um, see what um, God is condemning in this particular passage mm. right here. Okay, so the question is, what harm does it do? Well, modern science has shown that it actually does a lot of harm. And anything that God pronounces as being particularly good is something that Satan is going to... The better something is, the more Satan will fight against it, which just shows to, goes to show how good a thing sex is mm-hmm. because Satan is doing working so hard to, uh, to destroy it. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, of course, when you have sex by your, with a partner, it releases all kinds of um, good chemicals into your body. When you have sex without a partner, you get an imbalance in those chemicals that creates, you know, very similar to... Um, very similar to uh, drug abuse. It, it, it creates damage in the brain, and that's been well documented, you know, in recent times. And uh, I've got some info on Facebook about it.
Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Matt Minicus featuring Clint McCoy, Just As I Am, Sweet Hour of Prayer. And we are about to give something away right here, an amazing book called Real Peace, Re- Real, Peace Real Answers, Happiness Digest Series. Lawson, tell us about this one right here. So this is an amazing book, and, you know, it's, it's, it's just... It's giving us, you know, a purpose for the future, as it says here. It says, as we go about our busy days, it's easy to stumble into worry, fear, and depression. Even as we experience the joy in life, we see the pain, the suffering, and the death. Is this all that awaits us in the end? Or is there something more to life than we usually see? Does someone look down on us with love, with care, and with care with our, with our concerns? Um, is there a way to learn more about God and His plans for us? Okay, so if you were listening to the show this morning, we were talking about how uh, transforming the power of God's grace is. And if mm-hmm. you've never experienced that that power in your life and you want to know more about it, this is the book for you. Um, this is a this is a transforming a life transforming book in and of itself because it will direct you to the Bible, which will direct you to Jesus, who is the only one who can make you into a new and different and better person. So give us a call right now. You know what our number is one eight hundred. Three two four eight four three. I can see the phone lines running hot, and messages coming through uh, right now. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. If you want to send us a message, and uh, I'm not sure whether that one's for the for the quiz that is calling through right now, or yep. um, or for the giveaway, or for the delayed broadcast. So hey, just 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 jump on there right just now. Jump on and make a phone call because you never know what your chances are. There could be a free book. For you here, real peace with real answers. And of course, don't forget, if you'd like to know more about the Bible, we can arrange a Bible study course for you. In fact, we have about uh, 17 or 18 different courses that are available on all kinds of different subjects that you can do. Get a certificate at the end. Just give us a call and we'll make it happen for you. 